But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you close your door, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew 6.6. 6. Well, Jesus is speaking there about private prayer. Uh, let your prayers, he says, like you're giving, uh, be discreet and not ostentatious. Um, let it be mostly for the ears of God and first and not for the ears of men. And if there's to be any blessing on it or any reward for your fine prayers, leave it to God and not men. Now, it's this verse in Matthew 6.6 6, that became the foundation of a remarkable book written at the time of the terrible London plague of uh, 1695 by a faithful pastor uh, named Thomas Brooks writing to his congregation. It's been republished by the Banner of Peace Trust under the title, The Secret Key to Heaven. It is my hands-down favorite topic, a book on the top of a prayer, and I have quite a stack of them. Um, I've read through it several times, and I'll continue to read through it. So in preparation on this evening for <clears throat> our time of public prayer, I'm going to share with you just six uh, in, 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 in brevity uh, of, of uh, Brooks's um, 26 arguments, or 20 arguments, uh, in defense of private prayer. And, in fact, I'm going to take the terrible risk of chiefly simply quoting, reading from Brooks. Um, his, his language is old and stilted to our ears, uh, but listen carefully, and may the Lord bless it. Uh, Brooks's first argument for uh, private or secret prayer, or sometimes he speaks of it as closet prayer, um, is that, first of all, Christ himself engaged in secret prayer. Mark 1.35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Men, writes Brooks, are naturally very apt and prone to have a low and under, uh, undervaluing thoughts about secret prayer. But Christ, by exercising himself so frequently in it, put an everlasting value upon it, um, and, um, and, and a great honor to it. Uh, how earnest, how frequent was he in pouring out prayers in tears and sighs and groans for his people while alone by himself in private. Brooks also mentions many other people in the scripture who engaged in private or secret prayer. He cites, for example, references to Jacob, and, and to David and Daniel, who despite the weighty uh, public uh, uh, business where he was uh, involved, was much known to be in his chamber, refreshing his soul before the Lord. And so were the apostles Peter and John. Bad men, writes Brooks, are wonderfully in love with bad examples. But the wisest, the best Christians, and the most eminent in grace have been those most exercised in closet prayer and in the most secret duties of religion. What better example could we have than our Lord Jesus, who was very much in secret prayer with his Father? Secondly, the secret prayer helps us to unbosom ourselves before God. Secret prayer helps us to unbosom ourselves before God. 
in secret. We may weep for our own particular sins by which we have pierced and crucified the Lord of glory. Must we bear the intolerable weight of our sins and burdens alone? Never. In secret, a Christian may descend into such particulars as in public or before others. He will not and may not and ought not to mention before the Lord and in his ear alone, we may freely lay open every one of our infirmities and weaknesses, diseases, ailments, and griefs. No man would understand us. Many would be scandalized. Many would be scorners and would reject us uh, in shock and disdain. But the Lord Jesus gladly receives our prayers and confessions as offerings in golden bowls of incense. He will in no way cast us out, for his blood covers it all, and his arms are ever open to us. Thirdly, uh, God most manifests himself, or reveals himself, in secret. Oh, what sweet meltings the heavenly warmings, the blessed cheerings, the glorious manifestations, and the choice communions with God that Christians have found when they have been alone with God in a corner, in a closet, behind the door, when we are alone with the Lord in prayer. Ah, how often has God kissed the poor Christian at the beginning of private prayers and spoke peace to him in the midst of private prayers and filled him with light and joy and assurance upon the close of private prayers. Cornelius, uh, the Roman centurion, was in his prayer room, praying in his house, namely by himself, alone, when a man in brilliant clothing, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him. His prayer was not only heard, but kindly remembered, graciously accepted, and gloriously rewarded. Peter was in private prayer when the Lord appeared to him on the rooftop. And the Apostle Paul, when he saw a man named Ananias come to him and put his hand on him that he might receive his sight. John was alone on the island of Patmos, weeping in private prayer when the sealed book of the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ brought him words of glorious cheer. Listen to this. Private prayer is the golden key to unlock the mysteries of the Word, that is the Bible, to us. The knowledge of many choice and blessed truths is but the outcome of private prayer. The word, dwells, <clears throat> the word dwells most richly in them who are most in pouring out their hearts before God in their closets. Certainly, that Christian who in private prayer lies most at the feet of Jesus Christ shall understand most the mind of Christ in the gospel. And he shall have most of heaven and the things of his own peace brought down into his heart. Luther professes that he profited more in the knowledge of the scriptures by private prayer in a short space than he did by study in a longer space. God crowns private prayer with the discovery of the most blessed, weighty truths to his servants that are a sealed book to others. Fourthly, if we neglect private prayer, God will not hear our public prayers. If we neglect private prayer, God will not hear our public prayers. The absence 
of the absence of private duties is the great reason why the hearts of many are so dead and dull, so formal, carnal, so barren and unfruitful under public ordinances, that is, praying with others. Certainly, writes Brooke, that man or woman's heart is best in public, who is most frequent in private. No man's graces rise so high, nor no man's experiences rise so high, no man's communion with God rises so high, nor no man's divine enjoyments rise so high, nor no man's springs of comfort rises so high, nor no man's hope rises so high as theirs do who conscientiously wait upon the Lord in their closets. They, before they bear upon, uh, before they wait upon him in the assembly of the people. If you would ever see the beauty and glory of God, writes Brooks, in his sanctuary, if you would ever have public ordinances, that is, family prayers, church prayers, prayers with one or several others, to be lovely and lively in your soul, if you would ever have your drooping spirits revived and your languishing souls refreshed and your weak hearts strengthened and your strong corruptions weakened, be more careful and conscientious in the performance of closet duties. Fifth, the times call for private prayer. The times call for it. What times? We live in, brothers and sisters. Brooks says in his own age, they send away their shame instead of being ashamed of their sin. Ah, England, he writes, this is 1665, mind you. Ah, England, what pride, luxury, lasciviousness, licentiousness, wantonness, drunkenness, cruelties, injustice, oppressions, fornications, adulteries, falsehoods, hypocrisy, bribery, atheism, horrid blasphemies, and hellish impieties are now to be found rampant in your midst. And however it goes with the nation, such as mourn in secret for the abominations of the times, may be confident that when sweeping judgments shall come down upon the land, the Lord will hide them <clears throat> in the secret chambers of his providence. He will set a secret mark of deliverance upon their foreheads who mourn in secret for the crying sins of the present day as he did in the days of the prophet Elijah. Ezekiel. Sixthly, and finally, Satan's enmity towards secret prayer. Satan's enmity towards the secret prayer. For we should all be aware that Satan is a very great enemy to secret prayer. The secret prayer, writes Brooks, is a scourge, a hell to Satan. Every secret prayer adds to the devil's torment. Every secret prayer adds a sigh adds to his torment. Every secret groan adds to his torment. And every secret cheer adds to his torment. But he warns us, as Brooks, that when the child of God is on his knees in his secret addresses to God, oh, the strange thoughts, the earthly thoughts, the wandering thoughts, the distracted thoughts, the hideous thoughts, the blasphemous thoughts that Satan often injects into his soul. And all this to dishearten and discourage the poor Christian in his closet prayer. Sometimes he, that is Satan, uh, tells the soul that it's vain to seek God in secret. At other times, he tells uh, us all that it's too late to seek God in secret. 
for the door of mercy is shut and there is no hope, no help for this one or that one or for ourselves. Sometimes he tells us that it's enough to seek God in public or that prayer is the business of the minister and elders and the leaders of the church. Sometimes <clears throat> Satan will bring before a poor Christian miserable recollections of the greatest of his sins. And at other times, he will bring before a Christian the greatness of his unworthiness. And he will follow him hard at heel, right into his inner room, his quiet place, and still be injecting one thing or another into his soul, or else bringing one thing or another against his soul. But the godly man will not be turned away from his closet duties. He knows the excellency of private prayer. He knows the necessity of it and the utility and the profit that is like to attend it. He knows the power of it. He knows that Satan would never have such an aching tooth against secret prayer if it were not so powerful and so lovely to God. And he knows that God is highly favored toward closet prayer. He, you and I, know in our hearts what the Lord Jesus knew so well, what the fathers and the prophets and godly men and women have known or well suspected in their hearts, what Thomas Crooks knew so well and wrote about so well in his most excellent book, The Closet Prayer is the Secret Key to Heaven and a very great and blessed duty. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this reminder from a man well-seasoned in the trials of life uh, who wrote so effectively, reminding us of your prayer, Lord, and of the need we have to be much in, in our closets, much in private prayer. Lord, give us grace to put away all of those excuses that we might easily uh, put forward, to set aside all of those reasons uh, to find the time that we find quite easily for other things that please us and use it well uh, to bring our prayers and petitions uh, before the Lord and our praises. Give us grace in these things we ask. And Lord, we pray now too that as we join together uh, in public prayer that your hand would be upon it and you would be pleased to hear us for the sake of your kingdom. For the glory of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray and will be praying. Amen.